Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61, from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is our Pastor Joe Sutton from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, and I just want to uh, say have a good, good afternoon. Uh, we've been uh, busy this summer. Uh, as you know, we run a, a eight-week summer program, so if you have any uh, kids that you'd like to see uh, increase in their reading and math and and writing, or just get out there and have a good time, meet other kids in a nice Christian atmosphere. Just you ought to come on out and to 1001 Penn Avenue North, or go to 3deepleadership.com, our website, and uh, that's the number 3deepleadership.com, and, uh, and look at our program, and you can register online, pay online, do all that nice online stuff, but it's better in person. It's better when you show up in person and get in there. So uh, today I had to run today is spaghetti <laughs> spaghetti and salad is the lunch today so um, I hope it comes out good because the teenagers cook <laughs> uh, first part of leadership development in 3D is you know you're getting in that kitchen you're going to learn how to run that kitchen and uh, so it'd be interesting to see uh, uh, and, you know how it, how it turns out today so when they when they come in there so I don't know when I get back if they, if there's any left. You know, if I get back, if there's some left, I can open as that was. The kids will meet me and let me know. But now we have a good time. We have, we make sure they get a good uh, fruit salad every day and snacks and a great time. Field trips on Friday. Uh, you know, just get talk to people in different careers and different levels. And so come on out. You know, our track team is in full swing. We had a state meet uh, last week. Every kid qualified in some event, and so they get to move on to the regional meet. Uh, we're going down to Mankato to compete against Nebraska, Iowa, North and South Dakota, and Wisconsin. So that ought to be a, a great, great track meet. But most importantly, you know, we just just teach kids how to persevere, you know, how to how to understand the things we were talking about last night about the eagle, because our team is eagle's wings, and, and how eagle takes care of his young. And uh, we always... Uh, encourage and, and train our older athletes to take care of the younger ones. And, uh, and and we teach them how to coach and how to do track. We just don't give them stuff to do so that they too can become good coaches one day and learn how to get the most uh, out of themselves and other athletes. So it's a good time. Good time to see a lot of former athletes come back and help us coach and uh, and complete the cycle of giving back to the community. You know, uh, my heart's a little heavy because it seems like these last uh, three months, uh, just been surrounded by a lot of people uh, passing on to the next life or dying. 
and uh and it, it it a couple of them really hit me kind of hard. I don't grieve like most people do. Uh, I don't really cry at first. There are times I do cry, and you know I will go there, but I, I, that's just not my mo. I'm always thinking about, you know, uh, you know, what can I do to 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 make sure that this person has not passed in vain. And uh, the things that hit me the hardest, though, is, is most of you know I'm I'm on dialysis. Uh, you know, just that's just what I'm I'm bound to. Uh, haven't had the chance to really make up my mind yet whether I want a transplant or not. I go back and forth just like most people do about the changes in lifestyle for me either way. But a couple of friends of mine who were on dialysis passed away. And and I've been on dialysis for six years, and one of them had been on dialysis for two, and the other one even a year. And so, you know, the questions of why always run through your head. You know, I've been on dialysis longer, and yet I – I'm still alive and they've passed away. And, uh, you know, you, and you know, God has a purpose and plan for your life, but the why still come in. And then I get a phone call, you know, last week from a friend who's been given three weeks to live as we're discussing that. And, you know, just how does it feel to be in this state or how does it feel to be close to death? And when do you accept it or when do you, when do you let it go? And, uh, you know, and I guess because, I've been close to death a couple of times. I guess he felt talking with me could bring him some, some solace or some peace in that situation. And I, I love him. I love his family. And, and, I, and there are adjustments to be made when people pass on. But then last Friday, I got hit with the hardest of thing. A young man that I've been um, around for a while, mentoring, trying to mentor, always trying to keep staying in the right direction, was drinking and playing with a gun and shot himself. And, uh, it's just been a horrendous effect on the family. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I love Jimmy Stanback and, uh, you know, and I just, uh, always considered him, you know, uh, like a friend, like a, like a little brother. Jimmy had his ways. We all have our ways, you know, and, uh, you know, but Jimmy just was, he was an evangelist, man. He could pie piper people. He could, you know, guys, God just gave him that ability to, to talk and bring calm. And uh, and so now his family is left with a lot of questions, you know, it's like and so trying to deal with those things and, and trying to honor last request and things like that. It's just been a lot, a lot for me personally. And so I was taken to the word of God and, and then I was just looking at it and I went back and I thought about Jesus. You know, as I said on this time, this show time and time again, I, I didn't accept Christ to avoid hell. I'm not afraid of hell. You know, I ain't never been afraid of nothing. I accepted Christ because I wanted to meet a man who would give his life for me. I wanted to meet a man who had the strength and power to walk on this earth and not yield to any temptations. A guy who can turn water into wine, but he wasn't an alcoholic. If I could turn water into wine, I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'm telling you now, as much as as much as I drowned myself back in the day. I know I would have just been like, oh, mom, give me a glass of water. And I just would have been, I'd have been toasty. You know what I mean? Or I just fell into a capitalist mold and tried to sell it. You know what I mean? And, and, and make some money off of it. You know, here's a guy that, 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 that didn't yield to sexual temptation, didn't yield to displaying his power. You know, people treated him wrong. He didn't take him out. They spit on him and he let him go. He forgave him, you know, 
I, man, I, I'm, I think I'm close to the spit on part about now after 30 years of being a Christian. I think I can, I can't forgive that, you know, though in my mind I've been and dissected you, you know, I still would outwardly still display the, the characteristics of Christ. Inwardly though, it'd be a whole lot of murderous thoughts going on, you know, and I'm not there yet, but here's a guy who did this. And yet in turn, he didn't use his power to benefit himself. He used his power and position to benefit me. You know, he came down so that I could be lifted up and, 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 and I love him. I love his word. And I, and, and I wish that I could live in conformity to his word every day. But this human body always finds a way to, to do something off track. But I was looking at it and I just said, you know, Jesus, you know, I mean, Lord, you you called us to, to be, you know, your hands and your feet. And you called us to do greater things than you. And and so I, I went back to Isaiah 61, which we call this program Isaiah 61. And and the reason why is because, you know, that a lot of times we try to do ministry without God. You know, and in America, you can do ministry without God. You find somebody, write your check, give you some money. You know, and there's a lot of people doing stuff out here and God ain't directing. They just got money and they doing it. So they just did. God bless them. But Jesus said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek. And read not to amplify to the meek, the poor and the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant consolidation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garment or a a diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy burden and falling spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice and right standing with God, the planning of the Lord that he may be glorified, you know, sentence ends, boom, dot. And then I go back and then I look at to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives. You know, one thing that I've come across in my time, and I know a lot of people have a hard time understanding this, but I've come across people who are captive. Now, what are they captive with? I was just talking to a young man today who's captive with his cell phone. You know, I had to have a 15 minute discussion with him to get him to put his cell phone away that we don't allow cell phones. <laughs> we don't allow cell phones, you know, in class. And, you know, he's like contemplating whether he even wants to stay in our program because he can't have his cell phone with him. And I was like, I was like, I, he's like, he's like, I'm addicted. That was his thing. He said, I got to check my Snapchat. I got to check this. I got, you know, and I'm looking at him like, what do you do in school? He said, he said, I keep it in my pocket because they'll take it. But, Passed in the hallway, I check it, or lunchtime, I check it, and uh, and you know, but he's he's held captive. Some of us are held captive by ideologies, you know. I mean, some of us are held captive by physical things, such as you know, it could be a drug or a habit or alcohol or or anything in between that we that sex, whatever. You know, we we're held captive, but in a, in the difference between a captive and a prisoner. Because it also says the open of the prison in the eyes of those who are bound is that a prisoner is in prison because you usually violated some law code. A captive, a person is captive 
is usually taken captive as in war or something like that, meaning they once were against it, but now they find themselves being held hostage or whatever, prisoner of war or anything like that. But God has called us to set both of them free. Some translations just combine the two together and uh, and go in there. But God has called us to set captives free. And, and I, I look at some people who really, really love God. I mean, they love God. Some of them are standing in pulpits. You know, they're standing in pulpits. They really, really love God. But there's something in their life that has them captive. Right? You know, and we sometimes we look around and, you know, we like to talk about, uh, you know, I, I, you can't even tell nobody you're a priest or hanging out in the priest without getting a comment, a sexual comment about priest or, or anything like that. And uh, and though I grew up in a, a Catholic school and, you know, my priest never, ever, ever touched or tried to just, you know, I mean, but the ones who did touch people, it just they marked it for everybody else. You know what I mean? But here's people who obviously love God because you're taking a vow of poverty and a vow of abstinence, you know, which. I love God too, but I ain't taking them, you know, and uh, it's like, you know, and yet you find yourself captive to to these lusts and desires and they pull you in and, and you end up ruining people's lives by these different things that are there. You know, I think of something, I remember one time I went to speak at this church and all the doors were locked, man, it's big old giant church. And I'm like, man, how do I find a door to get in? And I realized, ah, yes. It's a mainline church. I just look for the cigarette butts. And so when I found the cigarette butts, that door was open because that's the door that everybody come out to get their smoke in because they can't last through the whole service. They, they got to come out. So I spotted the cigarette butts and I was in there. Now, if I was in another type of church, you know, I would I'd have been, I'd have really been up the creek, you know what I mean? Because someone wouldn't have been able to find the cigarette butts. But I found the cigarette butts, I found that door, and I, I, got, I got right in there so I could go and speak. You know, but we have these things that hold us captive. It could be as simple as cursing, lying, you know, uh, could be cigarettes, could be anything. But there's something in our life that, that, that holds us, that dictates us. You know, it could be food. You know, some of us are held captive to food. I know when we say we're going to do a fast at the church, man, oh, man, you should see the, the, the you'd think I'd ask for a million dollar offering. You know what I mean? When they got they got they got to miss a meal, miss three meals. And all I'm gonna get is some water. Oh Lord, you know, water only fast. Oh my goodness, you know they, they, they go look at it like, wow, you know. And I remember when I made my, my kids every year, I make them participate in the fast. And, and when they get 15, I, you know, I, I, I try to build them up a day, and I say, okay, now you gotta do three days in a row. Oh my goodness, you want to talk about torture? You know, I mean, you think I resign something? You're doing. They ain't talking. They conserve energy. They sitting still. You know, and uh, you know, and I try to do it during the time it won't affect their team play, but sometimes it crosses over, and um, and it's just there. But we had these things that hold us captive, and I know some people that really, really love God, and uh, and and so I remember just this one guy in particular who really loved the Lord. I met him; he was a homeless guy, and I wonder why he was homeless. Do that master's degree, he just kind of gave up on life and just didn't want to didn't want to work anymore, didn't want to push anymore. And uh, we're sitting there, we we'll talk about the scriptures, talk about the Lord. He would witness to people around. People said, you got to meet this guy. You know what I mean? And I went there, and, and but he was held captive by the thing that he didn't want nobody telling him what to do. So that's why he didn't want to work for anybody. He didn't want to rent from anybody because they had rules. And that ideology of no one telling me what to do 
held him captive to the point where he couldn't even see where he was in life and what he needed to be done. And, you know, as we met and we talked, you know, what I mean, you know, and it is our job as believers to set captives free. I know we tend to throw them in a corner and label them and don't want nothing to do with them. But we have to figure out how to set captives free. You're listening to uh, Spirit of the Lord uh, Church's radio program, Isaiah 61. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton. Uh, so KKMS, and we're about to roll into a break. And when we come back after the break, I'm going to talk more about uh, setting captives free. Thank you. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. So you want to take a break from your day and watch some funny videos online. There's nothing wrong with that, but it can be tough with all the riffraff, pop-ups, and questionable content on some video streaming sites. The solution, GodTube.com. This is a news story talking about the existence of atheist megachurches. Hey, what do you do there? Do you sing worship songs? Shout to the void, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to nothing. Safe for the whole family. Get your daily laugh from the comedy section at GodTube.com. Hey, this is Pastor Joe Sutton with Isaiah 61. Uh, Welcome you back to our program. We're talking about uh, setting captives free. You know, I have people in my life, I have a privilege in what what I love about uh, pastoral ministry is I get to meet a lot of people, and and I'm a community-minded guy, so... Uh, most of my friends know I have two congregations. I had a congregation that shows up at church, <laughs> and then I had a congregation that's out in the neighborhood that I minister to. And it's, it's just interesting to, to get out there and to see how sometimes uh, that 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 when when people get set free, whatever from a particular thing, you know, what I mean, I, uh, I think of the scripture where it says, "Casting down all vain imaginations and every thought that rises up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ." You'd be surprised if you just went outside and started talking to people <laughs> about some of the thoughts that they have when it comes to, you know, to, to the Bible and what it is and, and, and what, what God is like and what Christians should be like and everything like that. And so sometimes I get into these, these intense conversations with people, you know, about, about the Bible, because really what they're rebelling against is someone's interpretation of scripture or the way someone has applied what they believe a Christian is. But when they actually look at scripture, they can't argue with scripture, but they argue with how I may tend to apply it. You know what I mean? Or how I may tend to interpret it in life. But when they look at scripture in this form, they go like, well, that makes sense. You know what I mean? That, that makes sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know, but, but then when they look at it, when you say it, when you just try to with your application, they want to come at you and say, Leave me alone, do anything like that. So I just try to bring, bring the people in a way that gets there. But, but you know, a part of me it gristles at the fact that sometimes we've created uh, these mutant type viruses that get in people's system, that when it the, theologically and spiritually, and because we come up with a way and we want we want to interpret it within the context of our culture, our Western culture, 
And, and, and we don't want to stick to scripture. So we like our particular culture and how we do things. You know what I mean? And what gives us the, gives us a, a right to be greedy or gives us a right to whatever we want to do, you know, and, and, and yet we know we can't back it up with scripture, but we just say, this is how it is. This is how it always been. And this is what I'm going to do. And, and, uh, and so people buck and rebel and go off and follow some other ism. And, and, and then thinking that their, their ism is righting the wrongs of Christianity and it's there. You know, I had a friend of mine, a missionary friend of mine, he went to Russia and, um, and it hurt me so bad when he sent me a picture that he had the people in his Russian church doing a Thanksgiving play and they were dressed up like pilgrims. And I'm like, please tell me what does, what does pilgrims and Thanksgiving, how is this going to help these people in this Russian context? And they got the little outfits on and they're doing it. And I'm like, but because you're on the mission field, and Thanksgiving is precious to you in your cultural context. And as you're sharing Christ with them, you're also sharing your cultural context. You know, you know well, let them be thankful for the birth of their own country. You know what I mean? You, you know, if you're going to do something, why should they be thankful for the birth of yours? You, you're not the savior riding in, in the white, but because you, you know, you, you know, I was in this one country where I noticed that this guy came, it was in, it's in my Southern Sudan, but he, he built a house like the house he had in America, not like the houses that was there. And he had a nice green lawn. He would take water and he had a lawn. <laughs> and then the other people in the village start wanting a lawn too. And they start trying to grow grass and get a lawn too. And I'm like, okay, that's fine and dandy that you've taught these people that they can take this precious water and water the ground and make grass that's only good for looking at. That's fine. I said, but did you teach them the truths of eternal life that's going to go through Scripture? What will they remember? And I think of in that movie, uh, The Mission, when everything went wrong and everybody was getting killed at the end, the one thing they grabbed and took with them into the woods was not the Bible, but it was the flute. They took the flute. And the flute was the way that the priest had reached them. And what you win them with is what you win them to. And, you know, and what we've done is, is that we've created people who have begun hurt and they don't, they, 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 they're in bondage to a particular thing. They know they're wrong. I don't care whether it's drugs, alcohol, uh, sex, lying, TV, phones. I don't care what it is. You know, you're wrong because you got this addiction and you're spending more time with it than you do God, but you're held captive by, it. you just can't, Get out of it. Some of it's socially acceptable, so you don't you, you don't feel too bad. Some of it you feel bad. You won't even go near a church because you know you're wrong. You know what I mean? But but how do we set them free? You do, and that means that I have to spend time with this person that's probably offending me, you know, with their addiction. But yet, who could have been more offended than Jesus? This is a man who was in heaven in an area what we pray for: Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. You know, walking in perfection, but yet regulated to an imperfect body, you know, regulated to a growth cycle. You had to go through childhood, teen, whatever, you know, and then now he gets out here and he has to be amongst people that have not a clue 
to his level of intellect and reason and wisdom. And who would be more offended than him? Perfection who know no sin, having to hang with sinners. You know, but he did it for us. He did it for us. And my encouragement to you today is we need to do it for others. Because not what's hanging in the balance is that person who's caught in an addiction. Satan never comes after you. He comes after your seat. He gets you to do things so he can plant an image in the mind of your seat. You know what I mean? And, and what image are you planting in the mind of your seat? And what I mean by your seat, the people that you're in charge of, the people that you mentor, the people that you, your children, you know, what image are you planting as far as your walk with God is about this in there? That it's okay to do these certain things and still be considered a man or woman of God? That it's okay to have this a, a, a racist attitude and still be a man, considered to be a man or woman of God? You know, what, 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 what are we planting in our seed that we go that we're allowing the enemy to pervert the next generation just because we're too stubborn to change or we don't want to go out there and set captives free? We don't want to spend time with people. It's going to take time, people. It's, not going, it's going to take money, too, but it's going to take time. It's going to take us be willing to spend time with somebody, bring them into our home. You know what I mean? Teach them, nurture them, and let them follow. You know, I want to encourage you. We're going to talk about this subject even more next week, but I want to encourage you this week. Let God speak to you about who you need to spend time with. Who can you set free? Or do you need to be set free? 